So we're right smack in the middle of a whole month of prayer, and I'm curious, how, how are you enjoying it? Stirring things up, thinking some new thoughts, being good. Well, so let me, let me just remind you where we've been, and I would welcome your thoughts, too, in the receiving line if you have thoughts you want to share. Let me remind you where we've been this month. Two weeks ago, our associate minister, Kate Tucker, suggested prayer as a way of being in relationship with life, with mystery, with love, with the interconnected web. And she suggested also that we might understand each person, each of us, each of you, as a living, walking, breathing prayer. Last week, guest preacher Meg Riley talked about prayer and metaphor, poetry and dance, and said, don't put prayer in a box. Allow prayer to be a doorway you can step through into another way of being. They were both outstanding sermons, and you can catch them on our podcast at firstuniv.org. But I'll tell you, after two Sundays of prayer, we're still scratching the surface because prayer, like all of our monthly themes, is rich and dynamic. But it can be easy to forget. It can be easy to forget because words like faith or God or prayer or salvation or love, they can often feel like dead words that don't mean very much. It can be easy to think, there's nothing for me here. I know this story. I know this routine. I was flying last weekend, and it's like when you board the airplane and a flight attendant says, please give us your full attention as we demonstrate the safety features of this aircraft. (laughs) Yawn. Blah, blah, blah. Please turn off all electronic devices, and remember, no smoking in the lab. When's the last time anyone smoked? I guess it happens once in a while, but wah, 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 wah. We've heard it before. No one puts down their book or their iPhone or whatever they're doing at the time. No one really listens. It's just a bunch of dead words sort of dropping out on the, 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 whatever that section in the middle of the plane's called, the galleyway or whatever. And it's not just words that can become dead either. This is important. I want to talk about this idea of things, words becoming dead. But it's also living people. We've had this experience, all of us. You know how it goes. You meet someone, a new friend, a person. Maybe it turns into something, a relationship, and you decide to get committed or get more serious or even married, and there's so much excitement and this huge sense of possibility, and then somehow things change, and maybe kids come into the picture, and you begin to really know the person or sort of see them in a different way, and their habits and their routines and their annoyances sort of take center stage, and then slowly it feels like there's something wrong with them. They stop being fun or even funny like they used to be. People can feel like they're known and they're boring even, and we fall into the trap of assuming we know what they're going to say or do or respond, and we forget We forget that the person in front of us, friend or partner, relative, whoever it is, is actually a living, breathing miracle, a mystery, if we can allow space for that, if we can take them out of the box we've put them in. My point is, it can happen with words, it can happen with people, and it happens all the time. The good news friends, is that a whole month on one of these themes gives us the chance to make a potentially dead word like prayer 
really come alive in meaningful ways, ways that can serve our own spiritual growth. And who knows, if you're struggling in a relationship or with a friend or anyone, really, maybe prayer can help there as well. Is this all tracking? Are you with me so far? Okay. Let me make it really concrete, though, so we re- make sure you're really here with me. Imagine we're back on that airplane, and here's the dead spiel, right? The dead word spiel, the one we've heard a thousand times. We don't listen to it. Just, boom, right to the, right to the floor. When the seatbelt sign is illuminated, you must fasten your seatbelt. Versus a living spiel. Welcome aboard. To operate your seatbelt, insert the metal tab into the buckle and pull tight. It works just like every other seatbelt. And if you don't know how to operate one, you probably shouldn't be out in public unsupervised. (laughs) Right? That gets your attention. The head comes off the book. You're like, hey, this person's got something to say, and it's kind of funny. Living spiel, not the dead one. Living spiel, please make sure all carry-on items are crammed in the tiny space under the seat in front of you, leaving absolutely no room for your feet. (laughs) Living spiel, one or two more living spiels. Your seat cushions can be used for flotation. And in, in the event of an emergency water landing, please paddle to shore and take them with our compliments. One last living spiel. Whew! As the plane touches down. Whew! What a relief. (laughs) There's more. (laughs) There's more to this one. Please remember that items overhead and overhead racks may have shifted during the flight. They could fall out, hurt you, and that would create more paperwork. (laughs) You see what I'm saying? One version, dead. No one's engaged, no one's listening, no one's there. We know the routine, it's empty, and nothing speaks to us. Another version, alive, and something happens on that plane or the way we engage and relate. So hold on to these ideas as we poke around a bit at the Lord's Prayer, which might feel like a dead prayer, I know. But hang with me as we get to our cruising altitude and make this puppy, the Lord's Prayer, come alive. I have two purposes in looking at this prayer. One, really simply, is what's this about? What, what is this saying? What are some of the, the, the pieces going on there? And two, is the structure of this prayer, that's why it's in your order of service, I wanted you to be able to see it in there, uh, is the structure of the prayer something we could use, that basic structure, to construct our own prayers, should we choose to do that? Are you with me? I want you to think, we're going to look at the Lord's Prayer and sort of tease out what's there in a way that speaks to us as Unitarian Universalists, and then look at the structure of it as a way we might think about how we build some of our own prayers, should we choose to do that. For a long time, I'll confess, I've thought of the Lord's Prayer as something like a dead prayer. I know it, I've heard it, it doesn't particularly speak to me, there's patriarchal language in there, and, you know, here's what I want to do, actually. Before I go any further, I don't want to read it to you, but I think we should hear this musically because it might change how we think of it. So, Janice, will you, will you sing this for us?
Thank you, Janice. <clears throat> Thank you, John. Thank you, Janice. What do you think when you hear it musically? It resonates maybe a little differently. I, let me point out just a couple of things before we, we jump into it briefly. First, uh, the last line of that is probably an add-on for those of you who are interested in what's original and what's not. Second, I think it's important to note this prayer doesn't say anything about Jesus at all. And third, you should know that when the disciples asked Jesus, saying, hey, how do we pray? He didn't say, pray this exactly, and then he spouted off the Lord's Prayer. He said, pray like this, in this kind of way, which is why I think looking at the structure might be helpful for us in our own prayer lives. I realize the Father language can be distressing, and I recommend to you um, a book called The Greatest Prayer by John Dominic Crossan, who suggests that a more appropriate term for Father could be um, householder, the sense of householder of the world, just as a human person would be in charge of the house to make sure everyone in the house had enough and is cared for. That's the sense of this Father, this divine householder, the wish that he has or she has for the world. A Unitarian Universalist minister in his book, Simply Pray, points out that in Aramaic, that first line, our Father who art in heaven, could also be read, the nuances here are many, could also be read as, O birther, Father, Mother of the cosmos, or wordless action, silent potency. The point is in this poem, in this prayer, the sacred, the ultimate is being addressed in an intimate, endearing way. The name is holy. It is hallowed because that mystery, God, call it what you will, loves everyone in the world house, regardless of their wealth or sexual orientation, loves everyone. The kingdom language in the next line doesn't work for me very well. It may not work for you very well. But imagine this. At one point in time, the world had seen the Macedonian Empire, the Persian Empire, the Greek Empire, and as this prayer was constructed, the Roman Empire, the biggest, fiercest empire, yet based on slavery and dominance and oppression. And despite the powers of those empires, God's kingdom, that love's kingdom based on equality and justice, that kingdom, this prayer suggests, is always present and can be overcome, and again, can overcome, rather, imperial rule when we participate and collaborate in its being made real in the world. With our help, everything might be made whole and holy. That's the dream of this prayer. Give us this day our daily bread In a time when the Roman Empire exploited the land and the workers, this prayer asks that there might be enough bread for all. This is a justice issue. Think just food. Think enough for me today and tomorrow and for every day to come for my family, for my children. The earth belongs to all of us. Its food belongs to all of us. Forgive us our trespasses, debts, as we forgive those who trespass us against us. No, this is a communal prayer. It's not forgive me my trespasses, but as a community, forgive us and those people we have hurt. Forgive us when we get stuck on our grudges, when we fail to work for justice, when we go to war. Forgive us when we enslave our fellow human beings with debt, with slave wages. Forgive us when we forget that one of our jobs is to make sure all have enough. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
Lead us not into addiction, into internet porn, into love of money or false priorities or other idols. John Dominic Crossan suggests that in Jesus' time, one of the primary temptations was violence. It still is violence. That there is always the temptation of doing violence in the name of God, in the name of our deepest loyalties. But we must resist that temptation because it will never, ever lead to the reign of mutual love and respect. We've just scratched the surface of this prayer. But I would suggest to you that it is a radical justice prayer. And for me, reading both this book, Simply Pray, and Crossan's book, The Greatest Prayer, took that prayer from a dead prayer to an alive prayer. And to be clear, I'm not asking any of you to pray the Lord's Prayer, but I'd like to shift our attention now to looking at the structure of the prayer, its form, And here that structure is, according to Eric Wickstrom, a UU minister. First, begin with a salutation. Second, and I'll I'll repeat this again so you can can take notes and, and listen at the same time. Begin with a salutation. Second, state your intentions regarding the sacred. Third, state your requests regarding yourself or your community. And then finally, bring the prayer to a close. I'll review that again in just a minute. For two weeks now, though, we've been talking about prayer, but we haven't really lifted up a specific structure that you might use to do some of your own praying, that you might use when you pray. So again, the first piece is to begin with a salutation. And in your order of service, you'll see that list. There's a list, right, of some adjectives and nouns. And you can think about how you might pair those up in ways that's authentic for you as a salutation. Maybe it's eternal mother or challenging love or unknown presence or eternal spirit, but start with some kind of salutation. Then state your intentions regarding the sacred. In the Lord's Prayer, it's thy kingdom come, thy will be done, but what are your intentions regarding the sacred and the mystery? What do you hope for? Next, state your requests regarding yourself and your community. The Lord's Prayer is give us this day our daily bread, forgive us our trespasses. What are your requests? Are you struggling with loss or transition or guilt? What do you and the people around you need to be whole? And then finally, bring the prayer to a close. Here is... Eric Wickstrom's, a colleague's example of this whole thing. This is his prayer. He writes, O spirit that dwells within us all, may you be known and loved. May your insight guide us. May your compassion fill us until this world is holy and whole. May we receive the things we need for body and soul, and may we never stray from our heart's true path. Until the sun burns out and the stars grow cold. Amen. That's his example of that structure. So here's your homework. I gave the kids some homework earlier. Here's your homework, should you choose to accept this. I invite you to pray sometime this week, if you're not doing that already, maybe even more than one time. I invite you to pray with your children 
if you have children with you, or your partner, or even your friends, or maybe even someone you're in conflict with. And I invite you to use this structure, the basic structure of salutation, greet, address the mystery in some way, state your intentions regarding that mystery, the sacred, the requests for yourself, the community, and then close the prayer. As, as Kate Tucker, our associate minister, said two weeks ago, prayer is about relationship. So I invite you to open your heart to that relationship. Kate also said she's a pragmatist, and I am too. So if this prayer structure doesn't work for you, the one I've outlined, pick a different one. We've talked about the Lord's Prayer this morning, and I've given you, I hope, tools for your own prayer to take shape. But from the title of the sermon, one piece is missing, and that's my prayer. So I'd like to close with that, using the structure that we just discussed. And I invite you to pray with me. Challenging love. May we know you in all people and all things. May we feel your presence within, among, and beyond us, calling us to a world filled with justice and peace. May we be held in your embracing love as we find the courage to forgive ourselves and one another, to begin again in love, to see each other as the living mysteries we are. For this bright, shiny day for our lives, for prayer as a bridge to the mystery, we give thanks. May it be so. And amen.